happy almost new year. Good to see you guys. I'm very discombobulated today. Hang on. We made it through the Christmas holidays. How many of y'all feel like you're abnormally full of cheese and Christmas cookies? The diet begins tomorrow. I uh, love being here with you guys uh, for the Christmas Eve service and singing some Christmas carols. How many of you guys like seeing Brian Beck do his thing with the kids down front? Uh, every year he does a great job with that. Um, I'm glad for people like Brian. Um, I'm glad for people like Heidi that helped me get hot chocolate ready uh, for after the Christmas Eve service. Um, if these things were left up to me, I would throw some hot cocoa packets on the table and let you all help yourself, but she tells me that is not appropriate and gets all kinds of decorations. She just does a much better job at that stuff than I am, so I'm glad for that. And I'm really glad for times to focus on the arrival of Jesus into our world. I think I'm getting, I don't know, more emotional as I get older. Uh, I really just feel like every Christmas I'm a little more overwhelmed at the fact that the creator of the universe was able to fit himself into the body of a newborn baby. That's pretty amazing. And I feel like I should just stop and think about that a lot more often than just uh, Christmas time. Uh, hey, guys. How's my elementary schoolers doing? Everybody good? Uh, here's what I need from the crowd today. Uh, there are families with squirmy children all over the room today. Uh, it's family Sunday, so if you could just take a moment and lock eyes with a family that has squirmy kids and just tell them, just give them a thumbs up and let them know they're doing a great job and it's going to be okay. Just go ahead and do that real quick. Okay? Thumbs up. Maybe pat them on the shoulder. Some of them might be crying by now. I don't know. Uh, but I am glad for times when we could all gather together, and I'm glad for squirmy kids and all of their, the funny things they're going to say during the service today. So thanks for uh, hanging in there, parents. Uh, I am one of the children's wing teachers. Once a month, I get to go back and be there. Kate gives me very complicated crafts every time I'm back there, and that is my worst nightmare. I love you, Kate. I appreciate you, but I can't do them. But the, my favorite thing about doing children's church, and it's kind of a routine that I'm in uh, with the kids, is we start every, uh, every lesson time that I have with them by talking about one good thing that happened in the past week and one hard thing that happened in the past week. And then I tell them that we're, I'm going to ask th for three volunteers to share those things, and they talk me into seven volunteers uh, to talk about those things, so they love to talk about themselves. And then we pray together, and that's our way of thanking God for the good things that he gave us and asking him for his help with the hard things that uh, we went through this week. And then we say a prayer together. So that's how we're going to start today. It's the habit. So kids, raise your hands. Tell me one good thing that happened this past week, okay? And I, I'm only going to let one of you say something about Christmas, okay? Because you're all going to say something about Christmas, right? So who's feeling brave? Who wants to say one good thing? Gretzky. You got a hoverboard for Christmas? Yes. Is it amazing? Yes. Have you fallen down yet? No. Not yet. A few times. <laughs> I thought that was probably the case. Okay, who else has one good thing? Yeah, tell me a good thing. My watch is coming. Your watch is coming. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Okay. Somebody's running late this year, I guess. Okay. Who else has a bad thing? Or a good thing, I mean. 
Yeah, yeah, tell me a good thing. A what? A plush from a show you watch. Okay. Cool. All right, now tell me something that doesn't have to do with the present. Emmy, what's a good thing? The Dibleys are coming and they're spending the night. There's a lot of Dibleys. Okay. All right. Now let's tell me a hard thing that you that happened this past week. This might be a tough one. Do we have a hard thing that we went through this week? No. You got no. Okay. Yeah. Tell me a hard thing. His his watch is not here yet. <laughs> Romanello's, come on, guys. <laughs> okay, tell me, tell me a hard thing. Oh, you're getting a tooth pulled. Uh, uh, that's going to be hard. Okay. Anybody else? Okay, grown-ups, tell me a good thing that happened this past week. No presents. Tell me a good thing that happened. You did. You got an excellent pathology report for your wife. That's really good. Okay. Adults, tell me another good thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good to see family. Good. That's a good one. Somebody over on this side. Good thing. Yeah. You what? You did. That's a very good thing. Yes. I'm happy to hear it. All right. Adults, tell me a hard thing from this past week. Nieces and nephews. There's a lot of family in town. Yes. Okay. Hard things. Traveling. Yeah. Oh, that was probably hard. Yeah, sending your son back home. Okay. Kids, you want to pray together? Do we have brave volunteers that want to pray up here? Come on up there. You too. So whenever we pray together, what do we tell them? What do we do with our hands? Hold them like this. Uh -huh. Close our eyes and we open our ears. Why do we do all that stuff? So we can pray to God and we're not like what? Yeah, but not being squirmy children. That's right. Okay, so do you want to pray, thank God for the good things? And you want to ask God's help for the hard things? And then we'll start. Okay, can I put that microphone right there? Thank you, God, for giving us all these good things. You're the one and only God who can make anything happen. Amen. Dear God, please help everyone for the hard things, and please help me make sure that it doesn't, isn't too painful for my tooth to get pulled, and for Keaton's watch to come soon. And, I, and, dear, and God, 
Jesus' name, amen. Okay, am I on still? Yeah, okay. Thanks guys for praying with me and for talking about your weeks. Uh, I think it's important for us, especially in Children's Church, to talk about the ways that God is blessing us and the fact that he's with us even when things are hard, right? And I'm going to ask you guys some questions, so I want you to pay attention real good, okay? Oh, I'm smashing it so far. That is fantastic. The reviews are in. Oh, I didn't pay them, I promise. Well, you guys know me well enough by now to know that the last, uh, around the end of the year, I, I really, truly do get kind of introspective, and I take stock of what, you know, my last year has been like, and the good things and the hard things that we've been through, and the times when I've felt God really, you know, present in my life, the times where he's felt distance, distant, the good things, the bad things, uh, everything in between. And as a leader of the church, I feel the same way about us as a church. I kind of look at, you know, what are some things that we really did well this past year? What are some things that we didn't do so great in? What do we need to work harder in in 2024? I just, I don't know. Do you guys get like that? I just get kind of introspective and think a lot about those kinds of things. And I... One of the things I just finished this morning was my Bible reading plan. Uh, I try really hard to read through the Bible every year. This year I made it on time, but it was only because I had to cram a lot at the end of the year. But I did finish uh, today. Uh, if you're not in that habit, please start. January 1st is a great time to do that. Uh, with the millions of tools that we have available, apps on your phone and all that kind of stuff, there's really no reason why we can't make that a habit uh, to get into uh, every year. Come talk to me about that uh, if you need some help getting started. Uh, but at the very end of my Bible reading plan this past year, you ever, like, things just leap off the page at you and, and you start to feel like maybe God is speaking to you through this Bible that he wrote thousands of years ago? That's what happened to me. I don't know how it was, but it seems like all, everything that I was reading, the word kindness kept cropping up. And I saw that in the New Testament, uh, especially, where the writers of the books would remind the church people to be kind, or they would talk about the kindness of God. And I don't know what it was, but it just leapt off the page at me and was something that I wanted to share with you. I don't know, maybe he was trying to get my attention a little bit. Um, in the book of Galatians, Paul uses this metaphor. I know you guys have heard it before, the fruits of the Spirit. And he talks about how every believer is supposed to have these fruits, and there's all these characteristics, and kindness is one of the fruits that we are supposed to grow, right? So my kindness fruit needs to be more healthy, more delicious, more abundant as the years go on, the longer I follow Jesus. Um, in the book of Ephesus, uh, Paul says that God shows kindness to us by sending his son Jesus. I like that uh, idea of God being kind to us by sending Jesus. 
In Colossians, the church is told to clothe themselves with kindness. I think that's the best metaphor ever. Like, the first thing you notice about somebody when they walk in a room is how they're dressed, right? And we are supposed to be clothed in kindness. It's supposed to be the first thing that people notice about us when we walk in the room is how kind we are. And then there's this passage in the book of Titus. Titus is a little tiny book in the New Testament. It's a little different than some of the books in the New Testament because it's Paul writing to a person and not to a church. Uh, Titus was one of the leaders of the early church. Paul and him traveled around for a while, and Paul headed out of town, and he left Titus there to take care of a church. Like, Titus was one of the leaders. And so the letter's very different. You can tell he's not writing to a crowd of people. He's writing to one person and kind of saying, hey, pass this message on to the church that you're in charge of. Uh, It's kind of like a Andy Reid writing a letter to Patrick Mahomes, my buddy. You guys have heard of him. Taylor Swift's boyfriend. That's who he is. Um, I think the letter reads like a wise old sage talking to a young buck with all the advice and wisdom that he has accumulated over the years. And that's what I want to read with uh, read out of this morning. If you want to open up to Titus 3, it'll be on the screen, or um, you can read along with me. I'm starting right in the very beginning of, the chapter, of, the, of chapter 3. Titus 3.1 says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle to, toward everyone. Look at that list of characteristics that Paul just said that we are supposed to be like. Subject to rulers, obedient, ready to do good, not slandering, peaceable, gentle towards everyone. That is the list of a humble person, isn't it? If I were to summarize all of those characteristics in one word, it would be humble. And I thought about that sentence so much this week, I just sat and thought about it. Because I'm reading this as an American citizen, right? Our country was founded on rebellion. We know this, right? We left because the government was oppressing us from following our religion the way we wanted to. So we came over here to start over. Um, And I think we would be foolish to not think that some of that spirit doesn't trickle down to us today. I don't feel like I am naturally an obedient person. Do you all? I don't feel like I am naturally subject to authority in my life. I generally rebel against that kind of stuff. I feel like all of us have just a little twinge of that spirit of rebellion inside of us. And so I have to conclude that maybe there's a little bit of disobedience to what Paul is saying in every single one of us in this room today. I read this reminder to Titus telling the church to be subject to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, and I think this probably isn't meant for us. We're not supposed to obey this passage, right? We're supposed to obey the other ones that are a little more applicable to our culture and who we are as a people, right? No way, that's right. I think this passage is just as applicable to us as it is to anybody else. I think about some of the heroes that we have in our life. We all have these people that we kind of put on pedestals and build up, important people that we look up to, leaders in the world, few of those words would describe most of those leaders. Did you guys notice that? What does that say about the people that we tend to elevate? Do they tend to be humble people? Are they people 
that, the, that Paul is telling Titus we all need to be with. I bet they're not. Keep in mind that this letter was also written to Jewish people who were under Roman authority and didn't want to be. And it is in that context that Paul tells Titus, tell everyone to be subject to rulers and authorities. He didn't say, rebel at any chance you get. He didn't say, let's have a rebellion. You remember how often that they were looking to Jesus to overthrow the Romans just a few years before this letter was written? Paul told Titus to remind the Christians that he was working with who were inside of Roman rule to stay in submission to the rulers. The very earliest believers in the church were encouraged to be obedient. I don't know. I, I go back and forth. When I read a passage like this, I, I tend to just skim over the list and say, oh yeah, I do pretty good at that. No big deal. But the truth is, there are tons of times where I seek to get my own way. How, much, how about you all? There are times when we slander people, public figures, people in our own lives, where we say bad things about them that don't need to be said. Can we look at that list and say, yeah, oh yes, we're definitely gentle towards everyone. No way. I'm not even close. Let's be really cautious when we look at a list like that. There's lots of lists in the Bible where the, the authors kind of string a whole bunch of things together. And it's easy to read through them real quick and not really evaluate how are we doing with every single item that's on that list. Guys, we've been through a lot together as a church, as a society over the past three years. COVID, presidential elections, racial tensions, gosh, the death of important people in our church. We have been through it. And I think that more or less we have weathered those things pretty good. I know a lot of churches who have faced a great deal more division than we ever have in the last several years. But I have to be honest with you. <laughs> As a society, we are far more divided than we were in 2020 at the last presidential election. And there are incredibly powerful forces that want us to be divided, that want us to be angry at the other side. If we watch the news or when the political ads start up again, it is not enough for us to just disagree with what the other side thinks. We have to hate them. We have to think they're idiots, and we have to think that they're un-American. That is what everything in society is pushing us towards. Do you all sense that? That it is not enough just to disagree with someone. We have to think they're dumb and idiots. And we would be foolish to think that that if all of our society is headed that direction, that that's not going to creep into the church. It's just bound to. So as this next election cycle begins, it already started. <laughs> Can we all promise to remember this little passage in Titus? At how, Titus or how Paul told Titus that we're supposed to act, especially around people that disagree with us or think differently than us? Can we remember that when we come into contact with somebody who thinks differently than we do, that we're going to not slander, we're going to be peaceable, we're going to be considerate, we're going to be gentle? This last election cycle, were, were, were you peaceable? Were you considerate? Were you gentle when talking to people that you disagreed with? Were your thoughts peaceable, considerate, and gentle towards people who think differently than you? Man, I would love for Central to be like this haven of unity that just is unlike anything else in the world as we head into 2024. 
Imagine if people were to walk in our doors and sense, sense that we were different just because of how we treated one another. I don't think that exists anywhere else. I got a question for you kids. Are you ready? If I were to make you eat one food for dinner every single night for the rest of the month, all of January, and you, I'll let you pick. You can have pizza or you can have tacos. Okay, those are your only choices. It has to be pizza or it has to be tacos. Who's picking pizza? Who's picking tacos? Now, a couple of you voted twice. Mav, you got to pick pizza or tacos. What are you picking, buddy? Tacos it is. All right. Well, we're about 50-50 down here in the kids' wing. Let me ask you guys something. If you're on team pizza and you want to have pizza every single night for the rest of the month, does that mean that we look at the people who pick tacos and say, I think taco people are stupid? Do we say that? No. Do we, taco people, do we get to look at the pizza people and say, pizza people are not very smart? We don't get to do that, do we? It's their opinion, right? You're setting me up good, buddy. Good job. That's right. We all have opinions. Some people like pizza. Some people like tacos. But we have to be nice to the people that like the other thing, right? Taco pizza. Coco. Good job, Coco. Taco pizza is pretty good. <laughs> Verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. The longer I'm a Christian, I'll be honest, the harder it is for me to remember what it was like when I wasn't a Christian. That was a long time ago. I was, I don't know, 17 or so when I started to follow Jesus. I was just a kid. But the truth is, I don't really have to go back to when I was 17 to imagine what, was li what life was like before I followed Jesus, because that temptation is still present in me. How about you guys? The temptation to not follow Jesus is always there, and we can just think about what that would be like and not have to think about what we were like when we were kids. I think those adjectives would describe my life pretty well as a life without following Jesus. And I know people that are still living like that. Do you guys know people that, aren't living that are living like that? When Paul talks about people being enslaved by passions and pleasures, it sounds just like people are being tossed all over the place, right? Chasing after whatever the world around them says is important. It talks about people living in malice and envy. And Paul reminds people that living outside of a life following Jesus, those people are hated and they hate everyone else. These are really harsh words. Like, you hate to call somebody that, right? Some of, us, some of us in this very room were like that not too long ago. And I hope none of us ever forget what life was like before we started to follow Jesus. I think we have to remember that. I don't think we need to dwell on our past forever and wallow in self-pity, but I do think we need to remember everything that Jesus saved us from. Jesus saved me, not just so I could go to heaven and be with him someday, but so that my life on earth can be much, much better than it would be than the alternative. I don't think I need to constantly remember Jesus of every sin that I ever committed and what my life was like. God doesn't remember that stuff. But I think I need a general idea of where I came from. This is what Brian was like before Jesus. 
And then in verse 4, we get to my favorite word in the whole Bible, because it always changes everything. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. You guys saw the word kindness in there, didn't you? I think that's a really unique way to use that word. When I think of Jesus coming on the cross, I think of mercy, or I think of grace, or I think of forgiveness. But the word kindness is a very different thing. It kind of indicates that God looked at us in our bad state and decided to do us a favor, right, to help us out. He looked down in his creation, and he saw that we were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures, and he tried to help. He knew how harmful that lifestyle was for us. God's kindness by sending Jesus, it fixes our relationship with him. Because God was kind to us and sent Jesus to be our Savior, we get to be with him, and our relationship is good. I think it's really important to remember that like, there's tons of examples of this in the Bible, but I have been saved from my sins. I want you all to hear me very carefully. When I started to follow Jesus, when I told everybody around me that I wanted to be his disciple, when I was baptized, I was saved. And yet somehow, I'm being saved every single day that I follow Jesus. Salvation is a thing that happens to me, and it's a thing that I'm going to be working on for the rest of my life. When I follow Jesus, God looks at me and he says, saved, and then he gives me the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then he and I work on what it means to be saved for the rest of my life. The Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of us, and he points out all the little and big areas what I need to work on. I know in my head that I am forgiven, and I can point out a ton of verses in the Bible that show that my debt is paid, and there isn't anything else that I need to do to get right with him. And if you come to my office, I will probably tell you some of those things because we need that reminder. But there are times when I do not feel forgiven. There are times where I do not act forgiven. There are times when I do not act like a child of God. But that's okay. Because I think verses like this show me that both things can be true. I can be saved and I can work out my salvation over and over and over again. I bet you might need to remind yourself of that fact as well. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been washed in baptism, if you've confessed him as your Savior, if you've repented of your sins, and you and God are good, but you probably have some work to do with the Holy Spirit as well. Question for the kids. This isn't a trick question. Answer honest, okay? You guys think that reading the Bible is ever hard? Maybe, maybe, yeah, there's not a lot of sure answers. Is anybody like, nope, it's super easy and I have no problem at all? Nobody. Is everybody like, oh my gosh, it's impossible, I can't understand a thing? No, it's just kind of in the middle. Sometimes it's kind of hard, I think you're right. Okay, I'm going to read verse 8 and then we're going to talk about that in a minute. You ready? 
This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these. This is Paul talking to Titus. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. If you read this passage too quickly, you could say that Paul is telling Titus to kind of skip over the hard parts of the Bible, right? Oh my word, the genealogies. I'm, I'm about to start my Bible re- reading program and I'm going to hit the genealogies in the Old Testament. That's hard, right? It is hard for me as a New Testament believer in America in the year 2024 to understand the depth of all the stuff that we find in some of the harder passages of Scripture. It is just tough. But I don't think that's what Paul is advocating here, to just skip over the hard parts. I think we need to notice the greater context of this passage, and that is divisiveness. You guys saw the end, right? Paul has some harsh words for anybody who is divisive about anything that they're studying in Scripture. It is very possible for churches to divide over things that they read in the Bible. It is, we can argue needlessly about the correct way to worship on a Sunday morning. It is very possible for us to elevate our personal preferences over the good of the entire church. And Paul has really strong words for those people. They are sinful and they have no place in the church. That's hard. Any time that my, I do anything in my life that is divisive to the church, then I'm doing something that Paul says, out of here. That, that is dangerous. It is the opposite of the unity that we just talked about is so important for us to have. And if there's a person that decides for whatever reason to stir up trouble, they don't get to be a part of the church anymore. That's really hard for us to hear. We don't like to think that, you know, somebody gets asked to leave. But I think Paul's pretty clear here that divisiveness is killer to the church. I think this passage has tons of practical things that we need to work on. This is the introspective part again. What is it that we can do differently in 2024 to be uh, more like the person that Paul is describing to Titus? I think a lot of these things center around the importance for us to be unified. And as we approach this next season where we are supposed to be very intentionally disunified and angry with each other, Let's make a commitment to stay unified despite our differences. I think God made every single one of us unique, and that's one of the best parts of the church. I am not going to do things the way that Matt Schwenk is going to do them, and thank goodness, right? And Matt is going to do things very differently than the way Brian is going to do them, and thank goodness for that. That is what makes the body of Christ so beautiful. Sometimes those differences grade a little bit, right? They kind of rub us the wrong way. But it is that exact moment of being rubbed the wrong way that teaches us to put the good of others over the good of ourselves. That's what Paul's talking about. Paul's reminding the the Titus to tell the church that he was leading of what life was like before Jesus and how rich life is after. Do you all believe that? That life before Jesus was hard, but life after Jesus is rich 
and beautiful and so different from anything that you will find anywhere else in this world. By extension, that means that we need to be on a mission to let everyone around us know how they can be a follower of Jesus. Y'all with me? Kids, you with me? Are we going to tell people about what it means to be a follower of Jesus this week? How about this whole year? Can we do it for a whole year, do you think? Maybe. That's good. I like the honesty. All right, let's pray together, guys. Father, it is a blessing to be with the body of Christ this morning. I'm thankful for every person in this room, kids and adults alike. I'm thankful for families with kids who face a really hard job of leading their family, their kids to become followers of you someday. God, I pray that we as a church would be quick to support those families uh, when it's hard, when they need a break, when they need extra patience. I pray that we'd be quick to uh, share appropriate wisdom with them and let them know that it won't be like, like it is with little kids forever. And Father, I pray that we as a church would be incredibly united. Father, I pray that we would be a haven uh, against so much of the division that I see in the world around us, that people would come in here and notice quickly how we have clothed ourselves with kindness. Father, I ask that 2024 would be a time of growth and change in the life of Central Christian Church. And I ask all this in your son Jesus' name.